Great friends throughout Southern California. Broadcasting from the southernmost region of Los Angeles, a.k.a. the mega market. Yeah, down here in San Diego. Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. I know I'm freaking a ton of people out right now. Probably freaking out the people who have never heard my show before. Probably freaking you guys out the most. Hey, look, if you want to follow along, I'm on Twitter at Scott Kaplan. S-C-O-T-T, it's with a K, K-A-P-L-A-N, at Scott Kaplan. The reason I'm, I'm giving you my Twitter handle is, is because the best thing that we can do on radio is communicate with everybody when we're not just on the radio. Twitter is one of the important tools that we'll all use. I want to help you build your Twitter following also because that kind of helps me too. So I'm going to explain to you later on how I'm going to help you build your Twitter following, but you got to get involved. I mean, it's got to be a two-way street here. And I'm going to say your Twitter handle on air a bunch of times, and people are going to come follow you, and you're going to be like, dude, thank you. Okay? So that's coming up a little bit later on. I mentioned that Lewis Riddick, who is the star now of ESPN's coverage of the National Football League, uh, is, is coming up. There's so much stuff going on around the NFL, and I'm, I'm going to get back to the Lakers. I'm getting back to David Price and the Dodgers. I am. But I wanted to talk some NFL. It's my wheelhouse. It's my sweet spot. And I mentioned former college teammate, colleague, Lewis Riddick, my very first guest here on 710 ESPN. Hey, Lou. Scott, how are you, man? Doing great, brother. How are you? I'm, I'm hanging in there. Hanging in there. Crazy day. Big news. Big news, man. Big news day. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes, 10 years. Somebody asked me the other day who has the best defense in the AFC West, and I said Kansas City because they got the best player in football. That's Patrick Mahomes. So I don't need to know what's going on on the other side of the ball. I know they got Mahomes. That means you put pressure on everybody else's offense. What do you make of Mahomes in this new 10-year deal? Well, I think right from the get-go when current general manager Brett Beach went and scouted Pat Mahomes at Texas Tech and came back and told Coach Reed that this was the guy. This was going to be their guy for the future. He was going to be the guy to succeed Alex Smith and take them to places they've never gone before, you know, as a group, meaning he and, and Andy Reed as a coach-GM combination. I think all, dating all the way back to then, Pat has had the kind of sponsorship and kind of, had the kind of support within that organization that, that ultimately, if everything hits the way you want it to hit, culminates in these kind of record-breaking landmark type of deals. I know that they were all in from the very get-go. Brett was all in from the very get-go. Andy saw things in Pat that he had never seen before. And from my talking with them, even before Pat got his first start, they said, look, when he, when we finally unleash him on the league, you're going to see things that you've never seen before. And we went on, I went on TV numerous times and said, when it comes time for him to renegotiate his contract, you're going to see dollars and, you know, total dollars and APY and guaranteed money like you've never seen before. And that's exactly what's happening right now. And it started all the way back to those, those scouting trips that Brett Beach took to Texas Tech down there to Lubbock and to other places that he saw to see, go see him play in his senior year. And right now as an organization, Scott, I mean, they're just sitting pretty because they have, without a doubt, the face of their franchise and the face of the National Football League for the foreseeable future. Well, you got that right. Lewis Riddick, ESPN NFL analyst here on Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. Lou, um, my question would be this, though. How are we going to pull this off? I mean, the kid signs the 10-year deal, and that gets everybody excited about the season. There's talk about canceling the entire preseason. And then there's the question mark about how is the NFL season going to go? I've been talking about it already here today. You know, baseball, huge question marks. Basketball, decent-sounding plan. But for the NFL, Lewis, 
How do you perceive that the NFL will actually be able to play this season, given what's going on in our country right now? Yeah, it's going to be a formidable challenge. Scott. There's no question about it, because obviously you can't put 32 NFL teams with 53 players on a roster and you know varying size coaching and support staffs. You can't put those guys in a bubble. You can't you, you can't contain them that way. So the the challenge is to make sure that every single person is doing exactly what they need to do outside of the the time that they're in the facility is a huge huge challenge because obviously those players are coming into contact with numerous numerous different people and some of these guys are 21 22 years old and obviously that presents its own set of challenges as you know because guys that age making money just don't want to be. You know, they don't want to be locked down for significant periods of time. Eventually, they're, they're just going to wind up doing some things that maybe you don't want them to do. So with all that being said, I mean, you just, you're just going to need to really, you know, drive home the fact that, you know, the players are going to have to do their part. It really is going to be dependent upon the players being as disciplined as they've ever been in their life. And then from the team side and from the league side, have an absolutely just rigorous, rigorous, rigorous testing program that is, you know, that is about as fail-safe as you can get. Obviously, you need a rigorous, rigorous program as far as the teams themselves adhering to the protocols within inside their facilities when it comes to cleaning the place, when it comes to social distancing. And I mean, you're just going to have to be so, so stringent with that. And then there's, you know, the challenges with travel. Are the teams going to travel the night before or not? Are you going to try and travel in the day before games? And then there's, you know, the... The conversations with when you go and play football games, you know how visiting locker rooms in the NFL, a lot of them are very cramped, they're very small. Right. So how do you keep players safe in that regard? What kind of new equipment are they going to introduce? Are they going to have contingency plans for the size of your roster and your practice squad and different IR designations for people who come down with COVID? That's a huge, huge monumental test that I don't know if right now they have all the answers for. And you know, teams are supposed to be reporting the camp inside of two, three weeks right now, and there's a lot more questions than there are answers. So it would not shock me at all, Scott, if the, if the preseason is totally scrapped. As a matter of fact, I would bet my money that the preseason is scrapped totally and they don't play any games. And I would not be surprised at all if they wind up pushing back the season as far as delaying it is concerned, just because of administratively how huge of a – how big of a task this all is. Now, if they pull it off and we're able to start on time, then – that wouldn't shock me either, only because I know that there's so many great people from the medical and training staff side that are working 24 hours a day to try and make sure that they're taking care of their players and taking care of their organizations. I mean, you know one of them. You know, Rick Burkholder down there in Kansas City is one of the very best. He was with yep. us when we were at Pitt together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know that he's, he's working around the clock. He's barely sleeping trying to figure out how to get all this stuff uh, squared away. So I think there's just a lot of things up in the air, man. And I think we all need this, you know, cross our fingers and hope that society overall is doing their part as well. Right. Because as many players in baseball have already mentioned, it's not just on, uh, it's just not on the players themselves, whether it be the NBA, MLB or NFL, it's on society overall. Do your part, man, do your part. So this virus does not get so far out of hand that we have to shut it all down again. Cause if we do, then, you know, I guess we should, uh, we should all be then just saying, look, we, we got what we deserve because we didn't take care of business. Well, right. You know, and, and, and how much do we need pro sports? Um, that's, you know, another big question. We're talking to Lewis Riddick mm-hmm. from ESPN's coverage of the National Football League here on Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. Lou, let me ask you this, though. 
you just said it, and I agree with it 100%. The world is a very different place. It's a changing place. Um, since the middle of March, since the country went on lockdown and, and the reopening and what's happened, um, that's one major, major story. The other big story is, is what happened in Minneapolis to George Floyd, what's happened in the country subsequently. Even on a day like today, Lou, um, we're talking about Colin Kaepernick signing a deal with Disney. I was hoping he was going to get a chance to go back into the NFL. I would argue that he's mm-hmm. got enough going on outside of football. He doesn't need it anymore. I want to ask you your opinion about this, though, because I feel naive as a white man in America. I feel like I'm learning stuff all the time that maybe I just was blinded to. And I will tell you without question, it was the Drew Brees moment that was a big wake-up call for me. Like, for example, a black national anthem. I feel stupid. I didn't know. I feel like a big dummy. When, when, when I hear people tell me, well, my grandfather fought in the war too, and he came back to very different conditions than your grandfather. I feel like a big dummy. I don't know anything about U.S. history. Now, Lou, they're saying more guys will kneel than not kneel. I mean, the world has completely changed. I'm rambling. Give me a comment. No, the, the world has changed. I think there's a greater level of awareness sparked by, obviously, the murder of George Floyd than, than which we have ever seen. I think you're seeing the, the diversity of the movement that is taking place right now, the youthfulness of the movement that is taking place right now is unlike something that we have ever seen. The willingness of many... And not just, obviously, the African-American community, but of the non-African-American community to really stop, take a deep breath, educate themselves, take deep dives into what exactly does systemic racism mean? How have we gotten to where we have gotten to? Why is it that I felt like, to use your words, a big dummy? Why didn't I know these things? Or better yet, what don't I know? I think we know why people don't know, because I think sometimes, well, not sometimes. I mean, the fact, simple fact of the matter is racism is an uncomfortable uh, conversation to have amongst those who are, you know, not in the oppressed group because they figure I'm not oppressed. I'm not racist. I may not be someone who is actively trying to change things, but I don't, it really doesn't involve me. It doesn't really speak to me because it isn't me. Well, actually, it does speak to you because even though you don't really partake in it, it's actually you're being a part of the problem indirectly by not speaking up against those who look like you who are partaking in it. So I think now that you see everybody is willing to kind of listen, many, many people, big Fortune 500 companies, big business, many people are willing now to get involved and say, you know what, I have had enough. This is a question of right and wrong, and I do like to be on the side of right versus wrong. That's why you're seeing that this is now having such sustainability. And to go back to the youthfulness of this movement, and the diversity of this movement, what you're seeing when you see play out on TV, you just don't see young African-Americans out there protesting. You see people of all colors, of all right. races out there protesting. That's right. You, because the people of that generation, my daughter's generation, the 18, yep. 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, they look at things differently than people my no age doubt. No and, doubt. and above. These, people, these guys are interconnected. They're interconnected by the World Wide Web, by cell phone technology, social media, in ways that we never were when we were back in Pittsburgh in 1987, 88, 89, 90. There was no Internet. There was no interconnectedness across the globe like there is now. And so right now, so, I mean, they have kind of, they've been interacting with people who don't look like them, who don't share the same experiences all their lives. So really racism isn't something, and prejudice isn't something that really they're, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it doesn't exist in that generation because it does, but they're much more likely to be open-minded and be much more empathetic than people of my generation, our generation, and older. I agree. And I that's agree. why it's different. That's Lou, why it's different I, I, I was trying that's to figure why it's out much stronger now. 
Lou, I was trying to figure out after Drew Brees, after what happened to Drew Brees, I, I thought to myself, I like Drew very much. I've been his spokesperson, essentially. I mean, that's what people call me for years, dude. I am like, uh, I am like to, to Drew Brees what Ahmad Rashad was to Michael Jordan. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm giving you an old school reference here. But, you know, people say, hey, you know, that's your guy. Listen, I think that when I look at a guy like Drew Brees, he doesn't know American history, nor did I. And I'll tell you, it was a big wake-up call. And I didn't say, well, let me just wait and see what Drew does here. I said, I'll go do something on my own. So I took, I took James Blake, the former tennis player, and I took my friend Howard Wright, who's an executive at Intel, who, who was a great basketball player at Stanford and had a you know, cup of coffee in the NBA. And I took a former police chief, and I, I took Landon Donovan, a former soccer star, and I put a group of people together to have a summit say, look, guys, we're in sports, okay? Let's talk about black and white. Let's talk about America. Let's talk about how sports can help. Um, I don't know, Lewis, you tell me, am I naive to think that locker rooms, I'm not saying there's no racism, but locker rooms is where we learn, I know I did, how to be tolerant, compassionate, learn from other people of other cultures and backgrounds. What do you think? Can sports play an impact in creating or helping social equality in America? Well, well sure. Look, I think... When people are united in a common goal, obviously, like they are in sports, obviously, like they are in team sports in particular, and in our sport specifically in football, it's it's funny how people are much more willing to open their minds to people who don't look like them, who have different experiences than them, who have different backgrounds than them, because they're chasing something. They're all chasing the same thing. What's tough is that, obviously, in society and in life, I mean, I think everybody's chasing the American dream. Everybody wants to take care of their family, you know, build wealth, be healthy, you know, and have all the things that America's, our, America is supposed to provide. But it's not like it's not, you know, that you don't really, you don't have that same kind of locker room atmosphere because people don't really congregate in those ways and yeah. to which where, you know, they really do form that kind of bond. But I think yeah. obviously if they can look towards sports and see that there are players here Again, like we like we've experienced in our past, who come from all different parts of the country, different socioeconomic backgrounds, and you sit and you just talk and you listen and you communicate and open your mind and kind of yes. clear your mind of some of the BS that maybe you were taught in your own home or by mm-hmm. people from where you grew up about how certain people who don't look like you are are you know typically act or you know, in their minds or how you're supposed to treat people who don't look like you. If you can just erase your mind of some of that and come into things with an open mind, it's funny how you wind up figuring out that really the difference between me and you, Scott, from a human perspective is simply just the color of our skin. That's, it. That's all it is. It's, it's That's really it. just a scientific thing. But, you know, racism is taught. Racism is learned. Racism is passed down. We are not born, you know, being prejudiced and prejudging people, you know, without there being some kind of outside influence. And I think sports breaks down some of those things. It breaks down those natural barriers that people have, and, uh, and, it, and it kind of it promotes empathy, and, and, and it promotes understanding. It promotes open-mindedness, which is something that I think inside you overall, it's, much, it's very easy to retreat into your own community and into your own home and be closed-minded and, and be pig-headed and be stubborn and be racist about things and close yourself off to being someone who's a little bit more a little bit more open-minded a little bit more empathetic so i think well said you know i think when we're talking about sports what the reason why i think all of us say we need sports to come back because it, it can many times lead the way i think that's the reason why we why we say that and i think as athletes we're all very optimistic and we're all you know 
we're idealists in terms of thinking that you know maybe we can be the leaders because these are the kind of things that are preached to us. These kind of these kind of things are preached to us from the time that we're small to lead to you know bring in people from different backgrounds, work with your teammates, you know all for one, one for all. Then maybe we can show other people the way. And there's going to be some people who do do that. There's going to be people who come out of this time period much different with different views on things. And there's going to be those people who are going to continue to feel as though their side is right and anything that's not like them or doesn't look like them is wrong. There's going to continue to be people who feel as though people like myself are second-class citizens and can never be on their level. You're not going to be able to change everybody, but you'll change some. And hopefully sports will play a big part in that. Yeah, the world is the world is a very different place in the aftermath of the murder of George Floyd. Lewis Riddick, ESPN's NFL lead analyst. Lou, I could spend all day with you because I followed your tweets this weekend. I saw you were watching Gladiator for the thousandth time. I was super <laughs> impressed that you were watching Formula One on ESPN. I wanted to yeah, know Lewis if you watched Hamilton, Hamilton this guy, weekend. Man. But, dude, I got to go. I'm out of time, man. I'll talk to you real soon. Hey. You got it, man. Good luck. Much love to you, brother. Thank you. That's Lewis Riddick from ESPN. Coming up here today on Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN, I'm going to ask you this question. Why does David Price of the Dodgers decide he's out? That's it. I'm done. I'm out. I'm not playing. Okay? But LeBron James is very much, in my opinion, the face of the I'm in group of pro athletes. I'm in. I'm all in. LeBron doesn't need the money. He's not going to get any more famous. He's not going to perpetuate his brand anymore. Why is LeBron all in while David Price is all out? I'm going to discuss that coming up next. This is Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. Hey, if you're just getting with us here on 710 ESPN, this is Scott Kaplan. I've got a 10-day NBA-style contract. I'm not going to the bubble, though. No bubble for me. I stay here in Southern California, the southernmost part of Los Angeles, a.k.a. San Diego. I stay right here. No bubble for me. If you're just getting with us, Lewis Riddick from ESPN's coverage of the National Football League was just on, and he, you know, he said something really interesting at the end. He said, you know, Scott, look, there's really no difference between you and I. We're, we're two human beings. When it really boils down, the only difference between you and me is you've got white skin and I've got brown skin. That's the only difference between the two of us. That's it. And, of course, in my mind, I was thinking to myself, yeah, you know, like that's kind of the, the truth. But there's also the fact that you're 6'3", you're 225, you are ripped. I mean, lean, perfect bodybuilding shape right now with no training. And I'm me. And, um, and I'm not like that. In fact, um, I was away this past weekend celebrating 4th of July, quote unquote, celebrating, if you will. I just happened to get out of town and I was up in Mammoth Lakes and I got so sunburned on 4th of July. I, I guess the sunscreen I was wearing either never made contact with my skin or it was like expired. I look like the United States flag right now as my chest and well, where my chest is supposed to be, where my torso, like the stripes going across red and white skin, red and white. I look like the American flag. So, so while Lou is right, we are all the same. Um, the comparison between he and I, I only wish I could be him. If I had his body, you'd never see me with a shirt on. I could tell you that right now. Hey, before the break, I asked this question. Why does David Price opt out for playing for the Dodgers this season? Where, by the way, lots of baseball players are now starting to question the plan. There are plenty of guys around Major League Baseball that are saying, geez, I don't know about this thing anymore. Mike Trout being primary of them. I mean, right? I mean, here's a $400 million player. Oh, by the way, you look at Mike Trout's contract and you go, wow, $400 plus million. That guy, amazing money. Patrick Mahomes today from the Kansas City Chiefs, this is according to ESPN's Adam Schefter, 
is, um, well, he's already signed a new 10-year contract worth over $400 million, uh, could be worth $427 million, blah, blah, blah. I mean, the numbers just keep going up. But man, oh man, you, you, you think about the money that is being thrown around right now when we don't even know what the future really is. I mean, it would seem to me you're paying Patrick Mahomes for what he's done, what he's going to be, but you're, you're paying him or guaranteeing dollars, if you will, or, or committing money to him when the future, we, we don't really know. Mike Trout is a guy who's going, wait a second, hold on, hold on. So we're supposed to be tested like every day, right? And then all of a sudden the angels are, are standing around waiting for the test to show up. They don't show up. They've got to you know, maneuver and do their own sort of testing. I mean, people are not feeling, people in sports, not feeling confident about this plan for baseball. So if you're David Price, and I'm asking this question, What's the difference? Why David Price? Why is he out? But a LeBron James would be so in. Let's let's think about this. David Price is a guy who was just thrown into the deal, right? When when the Red Sox made the trade for the Dodgers, they wanted Mookie Betts, right? I mean, here's a guy who's a multi-time gold glover, a multi-time all-star, an MVP. They wanted Mookie Betts. They took David Price. The Dodgers can afford to take on a $30 million a year guy. But let's face it, he's not a leader with the Dodgers. Not yet, but wasn't walking in. I mean, that's Clayton Kershaw's pitching staff, right? He's at this stage of his career. He's good, but he's just a guy now, right? He's had a great career. I mean, David Price had an amazing career. By the way, let me tell you something else about David Price. When David Price says he's out, he has some credibility, I think. People like David Price. If you're the Dodger organization and he's donated 220 to, to 220 minor leaguers, guys that aren't going to play this year, he donated $1,000 to 220 guys. It's a lot of money. You know, and, and he's, he seems like a good, likable, credible guy. So David Price is on, I'm on the outs. Look, he's made his money. He's made a lot of money in his career. The guy has made almost $200 million in his career. He's got 60 plus more million dollars left on his contract and he's forfeiting $12 million to not play this year. So why would David Price not play? But LeBron James, who has championships, who has more money than his grandchildren's great-grandchildren will ever be able to spend. He's got an international brand. Why does LeBron James feel like he has to come back this year and win a championship because you even hear the talk about will a championship really count this year in any sport that's been shortened why does lebron james want to come back so desperately whereas a guy like david price i outlined it for you throw in guy you know uh, has had a great career has won a championships got plenty of money is clearly you know worried about coronavirus price is out why is lebron in lebron has all those same issues children family uh, lebron doesn't need the money He's already won championships. Why does LeBron James become the face of the I'm in guys versus prices? I'm out. Let me explain why I think this is. You see, LeBron James is an NBA legend. LeBron James is a basketball legend. Hall of Famer, superstar, and a brand for life. But you know what LeBron James is not yet? He's just not yet. This is just the reality of the situation. He's not yet a Laker legend. Am I wrong? You tell me, am I wrong? I mean, LeBron James, basketball legend, championships, yes. Hometown championship, delivered, yes. 
one of the greatest of all times. We can argue all day long, but not yet a Laker legend. By the way, this isn't coming from Mr. Laker here. This isn't coming from lifelong diehard Laker fan. This is coming from observer standpoint. Okay? Not yet a Laker legend. If you're going to become a Laker legend, you deliver a championship. That's a given. But if you're LeBron James and you want to become a Laker legend, I don't care if the season's shortened. I don't care if I got to play in a bubble. I don't care if I've got to live in Orlando without my wife and my children. I want to deliver a championship in the year 2020, which is the year that Kobe died. LeBron James will become, should the Lakers win this championship this year, he will become a Laker legend. This is the year that Kobe died. This is the year that LeBron delivers. That's what that tattoo on the back means, man. When you've got a tattoo that says the chosen one, this is what you do. You deliver. That's the difference. That's the difference between a guy like David Price, who was a throw-in guy, who's made his money, doesn't have the loyalty or the love to the community or the organization, versus a guy who is not just chasing a championship, a guy who is chasing legendary status for this organization. That's my thought on LeBron James and why he is so in to this NBA season when he doesn't really need to be. All right, coming up, how is this radio show right here on 710 ESPN, how is this radio show going to help you, the listener, build your Twitter following? How are we going to help you build your Twitter following? I'm going to have answers for you coming right back. This is Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. Great friends, Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. I know it's weird, but uh, I am ecstatic to be here. Going to be here for the next two weeks. Got a 10-day contract. And then like an NBA player on day nine, you're like, what's going to happen? And I don't know. But we're going to have a great time over the next two weeks. Hey, listen, so I'm going to explain to you what I was talking about, about how is this radio show going to help you build your Twitter following? So many people want to build their Twitter. They want more followers. They want a green check mark or a blue check mark, whichever one it is. They want it. And I'm going to tell you how we're going to help you out here in a second. But if you're just getting with me, let me just tell you what I was talking about. I was trying to make a comparison between David Price deciding to opt out from the Dodgers versus why LeBron James is all in for the Lakers. And the comparison I'm making to you is it's based on emotion. Okay, David Price was a throw-in to the Dodgers deal with the Red Sox. Okay, they wanted Mookie Betts. The Dodgers did. They, they took on the contract of David Price. It's not his team. It's not his city. Uh, it's, not, it's, it's, it's not his locker room. It's, it's none of those things. Okay, and it's a forfeit of $12 million, which is a ton of money. By the way, when I just said a ton of money, I can't tell you how hard I am concentrating right now on not cursing on the air. I've been off the radio for a year. I've been doing daily podcasting for a year. You can say whatever, the, whatever you want on podcast. And so I am concentrating diligently on not cursing in any way. Now, where was I? Back to where I was. Okay, look, it's emotional. David Price it's not his team. Whereas LeBron, it is his team. By the way, it's also his league. And I argue that LeBron is all in because this is the year when Kobe died that if you're going to become a Laker legend, this is when you do it. Now, at our commercial breaks, 
I'm talking to Greg Bergman. He's the assistant program director here at 710. He's a passionate, lifelong Laker fan. And he said to me, he said, now, wait a second. Hold on a second, smart guy. Maybe it's not about the emotion between these two. Maybe it's about LeBron feels really safe, like the NBA feeling really good about themselves, feeling really good about their bubble plan. Major League Baseball has kind of been um, not looking good at all on any level throughout any of all of this. Because let's face it, before everybody decided to go back to work and try and plan out the schedule for late July, baseball was too busy arguing over money. See, I don't think so. I don't think this is about LeBron feels safe and the NBA's got it right and Price feels unsafe because Major League Baseball doesn't have it so right. And so many baseball players are saying, wait a second, dude, this doesn't feel good to me. Why are we doing this? See, baseball players are like, I'm way out of my routine, way out of my routine. I'd rather just scrap the season and come back, especially if you're a big money player. Price fits. If you're a young guy scrapping, trying to make it to an opening day roster, you'll play and you'll take your chances. So the question is, should LeBron feel safer because the NBA's got it right and Price feels less secure because Major League Baseball doesn't seem to? My answer is the same. My answer remains the same. Price is not emotionally tied. He's made enough money. He doesn't need the $12 million per se. He'll be back and he'll make his money the next two years. He's scared about it. Maybe it is the testing on some level, but he doesn't want to sacrifice. He doesn't, when I say sacrifice, he doesn't want to take the risk. Let me rephrase it. He doesn't want to take the risk. Whereas LeBron is just all in. And for me, LeBron, it's about this year, this season, Kobe winning a championship. It's bigger than just this season. That's, that's my opinion. So there you have it. There you go. All right, look, let me tell you how this radio show is about to help you build your Twitter following. I hear it from listeners all the time. You got this big microphone. That's why you've got all these Twitter followers. And I don't even have that many Twitter followers. I'm just telling you right now, if you want help building your Twitter following, here's all you have to do today. I want you to take a picture wherever you are. If you're listening to 710 in your car, don't do it while you're driving. If you're listening to 710 and you're at a red light, take a picture of your radio. If you are listening on the ESPN app, do a screenshot. If you are listening on your desktop because you're at work, take a picture of it. I want to see what device you're listening on. And I want you to tell me where in Southern California or perhaps around the world you are listening. All you have to do is tweet me a picture and tell me where you're at. Tweet it at Scott Kaplan, S-C-O-T-T-K-A-P-L-A-N, Kaplan, okay? Tweet me what you're listening on and where you're at. I want to see where everybody is, okay? Because I know following YouTube stats and, and, and podcast stats, San Diego, L.A., Orange County, Riverside, Pasadena, Long Beach. I mean, I know what cities download my daily podcast. So I want to see who's listening on the radio, what device are you listening on, and where around Southern California are, are you? Tweet me that picture at Scott Kaplan. Okay, so what's the payoff? The payoff is later in the show, I'm going to shout out all of the people who take me up on this offer. I'm going to say your Twitter handle on the air. More people are going to follow you, and we're going to build a giant community over the next 10 days. Are we clear? I sound like a teacher for crying out loud. Man. Okay. Do it. At Scott Kaplan is my Twitter handle. At Scott Kaplan. Okay, coming up. I'm going to tell you why Dan Snyder, the owner of the Washington National Football League franchise, 
is to the NFL. Dan Snyder is to the NFL what Donald Sterling was to the NBA. Think about that. Dan Snyder is to the NFL what Donald Sterling was to the NBA. I'm going to pay that off. Coming right up. This is Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. I know I'm freaking a lot of people out right now. Believe me, it's hard for me too, dude. I'm like, wow, I'm saying my name on the radio. I haven't done that in like 15 years. And you get kind of comfy and cozy in your, uh, your home radio station. Then all of a sudden, one day it's gone. And then a year later, you show up on 710 ESPN. How does that all happen? Well, glad to be here. And like I said earlier in today's broadcast, you know, I got a lot of history with people here. You know, George Sedano and I go way, way back. Steve Mason and John Ireland and I all the way back, 690, 1090. I mean, old school sports radio around Southern California. I mentioned the nighttime show, Alan Sliwa, who was a young kid uh, sales guy for us, who's just worked so hard and become a star. I love that kid. Uh, very impressed with his hot dog eating skills, by the way. I don't know if anybody saw the hot dog eating contest this past week. I'm done with that, man. I'm, I'm off the hot dog eating competition. It's just, I find it like disgusting. And, and by the way, I'm not some prude, man. I just, I just, Joey Chestnut stuffing his face with don't, with, uh, with, with hot dogs and the lady. Um, I couldn't watch that really either. It wasn't for me anymore. I, I don't know. It's kind of like you've seen one Nathan's hot dog eating competition. I've seen them all. I do like the fact though that they call themselves major league eating and they take themselves really seriously and they call it a sport. I do think that, I mean, I would try and convince everybody of that too. Okay. So here we go. Back on track to where I was, because I said before the break, I'm going to tell you why Dan Snyder, the owner of the Washington football team, that you really shouldn't even just, you shouldn't even call them what they've been called your whole life anymore. Dan Snyder is to the NFL today what Donald Sterling was to the NBA. And I know I'm coming out firing today. You know, I, I, I got it. But I'm serious about this. I'm telling you right now that the NFL is going to force Dan Snyder to sell this football team. And let me tell you something. Um, when NFL football teams go up for sale, everybody in the league benefits. Let's go back a couple of years. When Steve Ballmer bought the Clippers, it changed sports. Because Steve Ballmer wasn't saying, well, I'll give you this much, and you want this much, and let's meet here. No, it was like, I'll write you a check right now for $2 billion. And the NBA went, uh, yeah done we want you in the nba we want your money in the nba we want your vision in the nba we want you to go build another arena by the way and so yeah two billion and every other franchise went up in value you know and it's not just the knicks and the lakers okay everybody loved it when Ballmer got to the nba same thing's going to happen here with daniel snyder and it's all because of racism by the way and that, let, let's be clear about that is that is that dan snyder hanging his hat on this name the washington reds look i was saying it man i when i would do nfl broadcasts on the sidelines uh whether it was back in the day of cbs television or westwood one radio when i have a, a washington game i specifically tried not to call them the Redskins because at that point i had already understood and heard from people hey guess what i'm native american i don't like it it's offensive dan snyder pretty much told all native americans i don't care i don't care what you think i bought the team my team that was the name everybody knows it is that and i'm not changing it well guess what um people are going to call that racist to the people who are offended by it it is racist oh by the way it was racist 
And today we're more sensitive about racism than ever before, and rightly so. So I'm telling you that Donald Sterling was pushed out of the NBA because of all of the racist comments that you heard on those recordings. And the NBA said, great, we have an opportunity now because it's not like they went, hey, teams for sale. Anybody want to buy it? They know in advance who are the guys with the money, who are the guys we want. Listen, I've told this story a hundred times, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell it 101 times because I'm guaranteeing it's fresh to most people who are listening. You know, in covering NFL football, I do the Dallas Cowboys Thanksgiving game every year for Westwood One Radio. It gives me this pass to get onto the field and walk up to anybody I want to. And if you've got a set of, of, of uh, you know, guts, you'll do what I do, which is I freaking walk right up to Jerry Jones, man. Every single year I get right in his face. And he's amazing. He'll give you the time of day. He'll look you in the eye. He'll tell his security, hey, stay away. Let me have a couple of minutes here. And when the Rams were moving to L.A., I remember Jerry Jones saying to me, look, Stan Kroenke is our guy. We love Stan Kroenke. He's rich. He's got the right connections. He's got the, the, the ties to L.A. That's our go-to guy. It was very obvious the Rams were going to get L.A. The NFL wanted Stan Kroenke to have L.A. I'm telling you right now, Dan Snyder is to the NFL what Donald Sterling was to the NBA. He's hanging on to this racist name. He's losing his minority partners who all desperately want to jump off the ship because they don't want to be associated with the guy. He's under major pressure now from the sponsor of the stadium, FedEx, Pepsi Cola. By the way, I haven't had a Pepsi in ages. You know, I can't remember the last time I had a Pepsi. In fact, I haven't had a Coke in ages either. But if I were to have a soda, if I were going to have a cola, I definitely think I'd go with a Coke over a Pepsi. But yet every time I have a Coke, then I think, isn't Pepsi sweeter? And let me try. A, I, I don't know where I got off track. Anyway, I'm just telling you right now, the NFL, they got a list of guys who they would much rather own that football team. Someone who come in, change that name and rebuild that once proud franchise in an incredible market. And by the way, here's why they'll ultimately push the guy out. Because take a look at what the Carolina Panthers sold for. Remember, Clippers, $2 billion. The freaking Carolina Panthers in Charlotte, North Carolina, sold for more than the Clippers. Two-plus billion. You know what the Washington Redskins will sell for? I haven't even checked the Forbes list. I'm telling you, dude. It'll be a massive transaction, and everybody around the league will make money. Dan Snyder will be pushed out of ownership. He is the 31st most hated owner in the NFL. And everybody just took that pause with me and went, I know who the 32nd most hated owner in the NFL is. I mean, the number one guy, the most hated is how I should call it. The, the 32nd worst owner in the NFL. You know who I'm talking about. You know who I'm talking about. Hey, speaking of the NFL, coming up, Tony Baselli is going to be here. And I want to talk about Tony Baselli. You know, you guys who are SC fans know Tony Baselli from his incredible playing career at SC. He had this amazing career in the NFL, short-lived as it may have been. But you know what Tony Baselli has that he's going to share with us today is a perspective that most of us probably don't have. You know, we're all talking about David Price. He's not going to play. LeBron James, he is. Bubble, it's all going to work. NBA is going to be great. NBA is going to show the world how it can be done. Everybody is conscious of COVID, Corona, and whatever else you might want to call it. See, Tony Baselli was the first guy that I knew, like really knew somebody who caught the coronavirus. Tony Baselli got it. His wife got it. His sons got it. And his daughters did not get it. 
So there were seven people living in their home in Jacksonville, Florida. And as I recall the, the math, five of the seven didn't get it. Where I'm getting confused is it was it two boys that did or three girls that did. Anyway, Tony Baselli and I think it was his three sons all came down with Corona. And two of the seven people that live in the home did not come down with Corona. And as Tony Baselli will tell you coming up, I mean, there were some nights in that hospital where he was digging real deep, you know, and we hear about it because because many of us who are young and healthy and are being responsible, but simultaneously going back to life, many of us don't have this fear, you know, um, hey, look, you know, we, we, we quarantined. We stayed in our houses. We didn't go to restaurants. The beaches were empty. The parking lots were closed. Um, you know, listen, I did my part. But then once the door was open, restaurants are open, the beaches are open, the parking lots are back open. Once, once the doors were open, people wanted out. I mean, you just look around Saturday night around Los Angeles. Take a look at the fireworks spectacular shows that individual people put on in their neighborhoods. I mean, that, that to me screams of, Oh my God, dude, I, I, I got to get back to life. You know, I want a fireworks show. It's 4th of July. People are obsessed with fireworks. I, I don't personally get it. I mean, I like a good fireworks show. I like a great fireworks show. I, I like a fireworks show that goes along with the music. But I didn't need the fireworks show. People of LA did. So listen, it all started, this whole, this whole conversation began with Dan Snyder and Donald Sterling and forcing the NFL, forcing Snyder out. And somehow it turned into something else, but that's just kind of the way the brain works. So I'm hoping you're sticking with me and keeping up. It turned into Tony Baselli, who's coming up next. If you're a USC fan, this guy had one of the most spectacular All-American careers as an offensive lineman at SC. He's my colleague. We worked together during the NFL football season on Monday Night Football. Tony Baselli will tell his story of he and his family having coronavirus. Coming up next, this is Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN.